This morning's reading is taken from Psalm 46. This can be found on page 570 of the Pew Bibles or page 871 of the large print Bibles. Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her, she will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall. He he lifts his voice, the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see the works of the Lord, the desolations he has brought on earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you very much. Good morning, everyone. My name's Rutten. I'm an occasional preacher here at St. Saviour's. If you're a visitor here, uh, a particularly warm welcome. Please make yourself known to myself or somebody else at the end. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Let's just pray for a moment. Lord, may the power of your presence be with us today and always, transforming defeat into victory and despair into hope. For you are a God who saves us. Amen. Well, it's possible, I suppose, quite a few people could have picked uh, Psalm 46, and in particular verse 10, it's a very famous verse, be still and know that I am God. God with us, a verse of wonderful comfort, God the ultimate protector and ever-present help in times of trouble. Times of trouble seem to be with us and never seem to be very far away, as our prayers this morning have illustrated. Often the troubles we face reach a crisis point. And so there's the challenge. Will God be with us when it comes to the crunch? When you're looking down the gun barrel of life's most difficult problems and traumas, will God deliver us? Never mind the three-point sermon. Let's just have one point. (laughs) Will God help us? He trusted in God that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him if he delights in him. The crowd mocking Jesus on the cross, making the same point. So, will God save us? This psalm gives a resounding yes. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. The spiritual city of God is where we live. It's where we find refuge. It's where we find protection under attack. In the fight against sin, the world, and the devil, 
fortunately, we have the ultimate weapon on our side, the presence of God himself. God will fight for us. We have only to be still. This city of God, this place of refuge, is at once like and unlike the natural city of Jerusalem. Jerusalem itself is built, as perhaps you know, on a mountain. It's perfectly designed to withstand siege warfare. It's a natural fortress. Except for one thing, no water, the Achilles heel. That's why Hezekiah, under the threat of the Assyrians, cut a long water conduit, a passage through the rock, big enough to walk through. It was a miracle of 8th century BC Israelite engineering. You can see it to this day. It's still there. You can walk down it. But in the end, this secret weapon was a waste of time. It was never actually used in the time of Hezekiah because it was God who defended the city against the Assyrians. If you remember the passage, God fought for them. They only had to be still. All they had to do was see the judgment that God would inflict upon their enemies. The angel of the Lord went forth and slew 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians overnight. The army of God never fired a single shot. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. And so this city, this city of Psalm 46, this spiritual city of God, has no need of water pipes. There is a spiritual river running through it, the Holy Spirit. Its defences are complete. Pull up the spiritual drawbridge, as it were, and be safe in God's city, in God's presence. It's an idea that comes throughout the Old Testament. If we accept the message of Psalm 46, we who trust in God have God with us. We have a defence like no other, a defence against the strongest of attack, a defence that makes outside attack indeed look foolish. He makes wars to cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow. He shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Bows, spears, chariots, the weapons of mass destruction of the ancient fighting world. God destroys the power of our enemies. We have only to be still and watch. God will protect us against insurmountable odds. A thousand may fall at your side, 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near to you. You will only see with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. So says Psalm 91. Ah, but I hear you say, fine words. But what happens when you're really up against it? What happens when life's problems seem so serious, so overwhelming, so insoluble? What happens when you feel defeated, when God feels far away? Where is your city of God then? You might be saying to yourself. Pearlie, Surrey, 8th of August, 1964, my ninth birthday. I was not a Christian, I knew nothing about the Bible, and a new film was being shown at the local cinema. It was called Zulu. My father used to get headaches in cinemas. He was used to cinemas, but he couldn't go uh, because he uh, used to get ill. My mother and sister weren't in the slightest bit interested about films about fighting, so they certainly refused to go. I was only nine, so off I went on my own. And I remain 
as transfixed by that film now as I was then, because it is that film, amongst many others, that deals with our problem. When you are surrounded by overwhelming forces, when you are staring perhaps even death in the face, when you have no strategy, no survival hope, no plan B, when you are totally alone, then where is God? Halfway through the film, two answers are provided by two very different characters. The first is a fundamentalist Swiss Reformation preacher, played by Jack Hawkins. For all his considerable Bible knowledge, he has trouble in adapting his theology to the demands of the situation. He loves Psalm 46. He can quote it off by heart, but when it comes to a practical a crisis, all he can do is suggest flight and fear, a theology singularly unsuited for the demands of the situation. You're all going to die, don't you understand? All of you, he shouts in one dramatic moment, trying to persuade the remaining soldiers to flee. In contrast, the hands-on sergeant major, when challenged, recites parts of 40, Psalm 46 from memory, remarking that it could have been written for a soldier. He breaks the bow. He shatters the spear. The Lord Almighty is with us. It seems apparent that the sergeant major, and not the Swiss preacher, seems to have both a theological as well as a military grip on the situation. It is he that displays a quiet, steady, strength of mind and heart in the face of the enemy, a strength that the situation demands. Ah, but I hear you say, that's all very fine and well when miracles happen, when God saves the city. What about the other times? God saved Jerusalem from the Assyrians, but it ultimately fell to the Babylonians with ghastly results for the people of God. God saved the 150 South Wales borderers at Rourke's Drift, but not the British column of 1,800 soldiers who were wiped out by the Zulus not a week before. Examples are legion, both in the Old Testament and throughout history and right up to date in our own experiences. As we heard in our prayers this morning, sometimes we are miraculously saved, sometimes we are not. We are defeated by our enemies. Why is that? Psalm 46, does it only apply selectively? Can we rely on God's salvation in all situations? How can we develop a faith and a theology of salvation that will equip us for all life has to throw at us, the bad as well as the good? And a parallel question. When, when do we wrestle and fight and pray? And when do we have only to be still and see the salvation of God? Seemingly both responses are required from Christians in different situations. So, when will God fight for us? And when do we have to fight? And what with? For answers, let's take a quick look at the Old Testament, then the New Testament, and then I'll try and pull it together with a practical example. Everyone with me? You're keeping up so far? Old Testament, New Testament, practical example, then I'll stop. <laughs> Old Testament first. Well, if you track it back far enough, the nation of Israel narrative in Exodus 
sometimes, uh, if, if we start there, sometimes the, the nation of Israel were commanded to fight, but sometimes they were only commanded to be still and stand firm and see the deliverance of God. Uh, so context is everything. The very foundation of the nation of Israel was actually built on our verse 10, be still and know that I am God. Exodus 14, as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them and they were terrified and they cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us out into the desert to die? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? Don't think they quite said that, but anyway. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than die in the desert. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid, stand firm, and you will see the deliverance that the Lord will bring you this day. The Lord will fight for you, you have only to be still. The rest, of course, we know, Exodus 15, the Lord is my strength and my defense. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army he has hurled into the sea. The theology of Old Testament warfare is a huge subject. We can't possibly even touch on it uh, this morning. But my point here is that at least in the beginning, God fought for his people. He protected them. They were holy warriors. God was on their side. They fought differently from the other nations. But not for long and not for any sustained period. Through faithlessness, through following other gods, through unholiness, God deserted them and even fought against them. Fast forward, if you will, to the New Testament, and we see the emergence of a new divine warrior, a warrior armed with nothing, so it would seem, save his bare hands, a warrior who takes on the forces of darkness head on, a warrior who forgives sins, heals crippling diseases, who casts out demons. A divine warrior, Jesus who takes on the last enemy, death itself, and through ultimate sacrifice, torture, failure, defeat, gloriously finds a way to defeat death itself and raise us all to newness of life, to all who believe on his name. Victory through defeat, the paradox of the cross. Temporary defeat producing eternal victory. Sacrifice is often necessary in divine warfare. So, is God with us in times of great suffering and difficulty? The answer from Psalm 46, absolutely yes. And we believe that with all our hearts. But will it always feel like it? Well, from our experiences, surely, absolutely no. The cross is the ultimate example of that. And yet, even there, God is there. But I haven't answered my second and final question, when to fight and when only to be still. And if we are to fight, then how? What with? Our enemies are sin and the world and the devil, and we are in Christ the new warriors of God. But how do we fight? Let's take a practical example, and I'll try and pull it all together if I can. Let's say you've just had some really bad news. A friend has been diagnosed with cancer. A baby has been born with a life-threatening illness. 
or you've had news of a bereavement or an unexpected injury or death. In this summer alone, our newspapers and our own personal experiences have been sadly full of such troubles. Friends and family look on, knowing we're Christians. They look to us, they expect us to pray, they expect us to help, they expect us to have faith. What do we do? Let's imagine, if you will, a spectrum of reaction. Over here, we do not attack, we defend. We resign ourselves to the situation, we accept it, we, what's the modern phrase, we manage expectations as best we can. Perhaps prayerfully, perhaps faithfully, or indeed otherwise. We say perhaps these things must be sometimes be, and there may be a time to do that. Over here, on the other end of the spectrum, perhaps we attack. We pray for a miracle, expecting, even demanding, that God heal or intervene in the situation to deliver us, perhaps against all the odds. In this congregation alone, we've had some wonderful yes answers to that sort of prayer. But if we're honest, it doesn't always feel right to pray for a miracle, and sometimes it may not be uh, the right thing to do. Context is everything. Not everyone is healed. Not all battles can be won. Defend, attack. And in the middle? Well, the middle ground may not help us very much because there's a huge spectrum of biblical reaction. Some of it's really not that useful. Job's wife recommends giving up. Curse God and die, she says in her anguish and frustration after disaster strikes. Now there's a lady who needs a glass of wine. <laughs> Both Elijah and Moses, mighty men of God, um, they lacked the faith at the critical moments to really believe that God would deliver in extreme situations, and they hedged their bets with disastrous consequences. Jonah was the opposite. He knew that God would act, that God would save, so he ran away because he thought the non-churchgoers weren't worth saving. So, not too many um, paradigms of example there. Psalm 46 says that God will save us in a crisis, but how does that principle apply to our example of personal bad news and that huge spectrum of possible reaction? Let me suggest two solutions. First, fight back. It is right to sometimes wrestle and fight and pray against the darkness of the situation. We fight by deploying our spiritual weapons. Faith and courage often go together because it takes courage to go on believing in the light of God in the face of darkness. Prayer, of course, is one of our main weapons. Ephesians 6 gives a long list of the armour of God. And it's all good stuff. Put on this, put on that. But the overriding conclusion of that passage is to pray. Pray at all times. That's how to win background from the enemy. That's how God will transform situations. Thanksgiving is another powerful weapon. Two Christians are arrested on trumped-up charges, stripped, beaten, thrown into jail to face an uncertain future. It's midnight, no food, no water, no lights, freezing cold. One of them turns to the other and says, what hymn shall we sing next then? That account is in Acts chapter 16, and you can read there what happened next. You probably know. 
the power of thanksgiving to shake down the prison. Waiting on God is another powerful weapon. Not passive resignation, but having the faith, the courage, the willingness to listen to his voice and stick it out, perhaps over a period of time, through prayer and through endurance, waiting for God to transform the situation. Faith, prayer, thanksgiving, waiting, and of course, our main offensive weapon, the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, the living Word, which transforms hearts and minds and situations perhaps like nothing else. Let's, let's not neglect to read the Bible in a crisis. So we can fight. But what if the waiting is long? What if the prayers are unanswered, seemingly? What if the thanksgiving feels empty? What if the word of God, at least for today, brings no comfort? What then? Well, how did Jesus do it? The answer is our final weapon. Worship. By spending time with God, by seeking him, by resting in his presence, we realise that this is a God who protects us because he loves us. It is in worshipping God, not in siege mentality, that we can be victorious in the fight for meaning and purpose and hope in this life and in the life to come. It is in finding God's presence and enjoying fellowship with him that we can be changed. Things won't always go our way. Not all battles can be won. But through resting in God, being with God, we can be changed, transformed, transfigured by the wonderful presence of God himself. In the meantime, it's right to fight with prayer, with faith, with courage, with the living word of God. But perhaps most of all, with worship. Who knows what situations will be transformed by the presence of God? So let us, the battered army of God, take fresh heart. For no matter how hard the fight, there is an eternal truth which transcends it and upon which we can depend. We believe in the presence of God with us and in Jesus, his son. And that is all we need. It is not only our protection, it is our joy. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted amongst the nations. I will be exalted in the whole earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Amen.